ulterior. So, do I even remember how to fucking do this? Because it's been a minute since I got on this microphone and I talked to you guys about music and whatever the fuck else is going on. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail right now about where I've been or why I was gone. Maybe at least not yet. That could be a story for the future, should I choose to tell said story, but... All I want to say right now is I felt very, um, okay, maybe saying very empty is kind of morbid and nihilistic because ultimately this is just a podcast, at least service level. This is just a podcast. What I do on social media is just music reviews and things of that sort. On a deeper level, though, in a deeper context, this entire platform has become a massive part of my life for the last nearly three years. It's going to be three years on New Year's Day. And to put this aside for a few weeks to figure some shit out and try to better myself and get my brain back on course, that was hard. Let me just put it that way. It was genuinely hard to step away from this for even temporarily, because like I said, this has been such a big part of my life. I, I, I kind of have my identity instilled in ulterior and vice versa in a way that I didn't really foresee happening when I first started all this stuff. So it was very tumultuous, very trying. And I think I'm still like, attempting to mentally restructure everything back to how they were before, but I'm here, I've got music to talk about, I believe now is the right time and things are aligned properly enough for me to resume what I love and in turn what I hope you guys have been able to love. So what do we got on this episode? Let me see here. We have new singles by the likes of the C4 Cinema, Walwyn, Being as an Ocean, and a few others I want to talk about, and then brand new records by Rory, Citizen, Bad Love, and A Mice and Men. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I really, really wish that September was not a lost cause at this point, because I missed out on some fucking heat. Not missed out in the sense of I didn't get to hear it, because I still got to listen to everything. You guys can go check Instagram and Twitter for Ulterior and see what I was listening to for the last few weeks. But in terms of being able to dedicate time on this show, that's gone. Aside from what from September will be mentioned again in December for year-end stuff. Uh, But just to briefly mention it... uh, a lot of fucking amazing things. Unity TX album, Serration album, Olivia Rodrigo album, um, Too Close to Touch single. I, God, I wish I could have talked about that, but I'll get to one day. Um, 
the Requiem, they're rebranding from L'Exquisite Dulier. I hope that's how you say that. The Polaris album, Vera's Murder album, Race City Drive single, like, I, I wish things were different. I really, really do. And I wish I could set aside the time to go back to all this stuff retroactively, but again, I don't. Unless I will be talking about these things in September, and the fact that I didn't have the chance to talk about some of these things, I will definitely keep in mind when December and the year-end festivities happen. One thing that I do want to say, though, from September, y'all need to behave at these fucking Bad Omens shows. Like, for real, for real. Don't fight. Don't be weird about shit. It's just a band. It's just people. The music is fucking goaded. I understand that. Bad Omens it might be my favorite band in the world right now, but y'all stay in line, all right? Th- that shit gets out of hand at times. I've seen it. I've seen the discourse. I've seen the videos. Chill the fuck out. Please, 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 please. But yeah, um, that's kind of my recap for right now. I do want to go ahead and get into the singles for last week. And the first band I want to mention is the Seafloor Cinema. They announced a brand new record, and I will talk about that briefly. And with this announcement came a double single. And the first one is If This Were a Film Featuring Only Friend. Brother, this song sounds like a fucking My Hero Academia opening track. Like, this thing is fucking beast. I love it. And I, I love the C4 Cinema altogether. Um, I talked about their previous record from 2021 in Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound. It made the top 50 that year. I believe just at 50, though. But the C4 Cinema is one of those bands where I find great excitement whenever they do anything, and this is no different right now. So they have a brand new album coming out December 1st. It's a self-titled record, and like I said, we got the double single. If This Were a Film has every bit of controlled, chaotic energy that I look for in the C4 Cinema, this song can be just like so exhilarating while also emotional, and it's done in a way where, I know I referenced my hero academia opener and what i mean by that is it just feels so fun and it feels like i can close my eyes and just feel this sense of euphoria despite everything uh that this song is encapsulated with when it comes to just being like off the walls and all over the place it kind of structurally makes sense while also not making sense and i love that about the c4 cinema i think that is one of those intangible elements that they possess that they sometimes can wield better than other bands around them better than the other bands that do this type of a sound the c4 cinema is catchy and enthralling and exhilarating and again emotional and just everything under the sun that makes a song like this as special as it can be that is what is present here on if this were a film and the other single they released was the lesson 44 magnum which features aaron Pauly of of mice and men This is a collaboration that 
on paper, I would not have imagined how it could have sounded. And then even saying it out loud, like, it just sounds weird. The C4 Cinema and Mice and Men? Really? 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 Yeah, motherfucker, really. This shit is gas. And I shouldn't be surprised by that, because both of these bands are sensational in what they do. And we'll definitely get to a Mice and Men later on in the episode about, like, you know, specific things with their trajectory right now. But when it comes to what Aaron was able to contribute to the lesson for Magnum... I was just astonished and blown away. And again, I should not be surprised because all of these artists are uh, like quintessential individually and then combining them together. The lesson becomes one of these kinds of songs where I just find new quirky elements every time I hear it. I particularly enjoy the kind of like scaled back verse from Aaron that goes into this larger than life chorus and then the song just explodes later on and becomes heavy in its own right, almost metalcore-esque in a lot of ways. And I feel like with just these two singles, and not even factoring in the rest of the discography, just these singles right now, the versatility and the range of the C4 Cinema is as expansive and broad as it ever has been, and this new album of theirs on December 1st can really do a lot of wonders for them, and I hope that ends up being the case, and I don't doubt that it will, because again, this band is comprised of nothing but certified motherfucking hoopers. Brand new single out by Walwyn, it is Screwjob97. Walwyn is somebody who I have kind of briefly mentioned from time to time for maybe like a year now or a little over a year, and I have always appreciated the grind and the hustle by Walwyn. I think he's always been able to put out quality material and quality work, but I also believe that Screwjob97 is far and away definitely the best song that I've ever heard from him. I think it has those like standard pop punk elements that you kind of need for any song within that realm to really thrive and he's able to add in his own flavor and his own intangible elements that allow Screwjob 97 to stand in my opinion head and shoulders above his discography at this point and it's just a really catchy and energizing song and then it, it kind of feels like anybody can enjoy this song at a surface level no matter what but for the people who kind of have this familiarization with professional wrestling, that is where those additional layers really come into play. There are a lot of different references to professional wrestling thrown into this song. Um, the title of it, Screwjob 97, and then the chorus, which says, Did you get screwed in Montreal just like Brett in 97, is a reference to the Montreal Screwjob. And then there are other wrestling key terms thrown in, like heel, kayfabe, and botches. And if you don't get any of these references, it's not going to hinder your enjoyment of the song at all. But if you do get the references and you do pick up on these little things... It can really accentuate how you feel about this track, and I think Walwyn did an amazing job with Screwjob 97, and again, throwing in these little Easter eggs for wrestling fans, it's a great time altogether. I really enjoy this song, and I definitely look forward to the future of Walwyn. I want to bring up the brand new single by Rose Colored World, it is Pieces of Me.
I say new single because it literally is, but for clarification, this is a cover of an Ashley Simpson song, and I think it's one of the best covers I've been able to hear all year so far. Um, so for you, for you guys who don't know about Rose Colored World, they are a pop-punk duo out of LA, and while their discography right now might be small in quantity, it is massive in quality. I think they've been able to find a, a nice groove for themselves, a nice spot in the genre, and each time they drop something, I can't help but just, you know, nod my head, tap my foot, and be enthralled and excited by what I'm hearing, and I think this cover pieces of me is no different. It manages to to find the right balance between energy and attitude while still staying true to the source material. And that's kind of an element to the overall delivery of Rose Colored World that I think translated perfectly to this cover. So definitely check the song out. And if you guys are unfamiliar with Rose Colored World's work, then please go back through the rest of their discography because I'm sure you're going to find a song or a couple or even the whole fucking thing to be captivated by the same way that I am. Because I really, really do believe in the effort put forth by Rose Colored World. Being as an ocean got a brand new single out, it is Swallowed by the Earth. So something that I missed from September was the announcement of Being As Notion's new album. It is Death Can Wait out on February 2nd of 2024. So early 2024, kind of starting to take shape slowly but surely. And for myself, Being As Notion is an incredible addition to that lineup for the first quarter of the year. Um, I'll probably get more into this as the album releases later on. But Being As Notion is a band that has been like super important to me for quite a number of years now and even if not all of their material you know really delivers on all fronts for me i can still find enjoyment out of whatever it is that they're doing and with this single swallowed by the earth i do really enjoy the juxtaposition between the verse and the chorus in the sense that the verses you have joel kind of giving these very like heavy and demonic screams that are even uncharacteristic for him in a way. And it's laid over this very, you know, calm and soothing um, backdrop of a tracking. And then once Michael comes in on the chorus, the song does ramp up its energy while he is laying over these vocals that do his amazing voice justice, in my opinion. I think Michael has always been a very underrated vocalist in that aspect. And yeah, I, I just feel like Whenever Being As An Ocean does something, I am right there, I am paying attention, and I am listening, and I would hope that that's the case for anybody else who has ever been touched by their music, because this is a band that has delivered some very cathartic moments for myself, and I would imagine that's the case for a lot of others out there. So, yeah, Being As An Ocean, Death Can Wait, February 2nd, the role so far, I'm happy with it. I think they're doing great work. The final single that I want to go into detail on for the episode is actually by... Blink-182. I don't know if I've ever talked about them on here before, but I can now, and the single is Dance With Me.
there actually is a brand new Blink-182 album. It is called One More Time, releasing on October 20th. And missing the initial rollout of singles was one of the more deflating parts of not being active on this show in September. But I feel like Dance With Me kind of might give me a better avenue of sorts to introduce Blink to Ulterior's canon, because it is my favorite of the singles so far. Um, the song starts off with like a voice line from Travis where he's like, um, whenever I teach masturbation, I'm just like, have fun with it, or however he says it. And yeah, it's very silly and quirky and immature and whatever, but what else has Blink been for their tenure? Like, be fucking for real. That's what I look for in Blink. That sort of, like, immature potty humor, like, that is a staple of their characters, and I really do admire still having that be a part of their whole persona. Um, the song itself, Dance With Me, is just a very traditional pop-punk song that is managing to still, you know, meet and exceed the expectations that myself and a lot of others have for Blink, no matter how much time has passed. And I definitely enjoy the song. I really do enjoy the comeback of sorts so far with Tom and the band. And yeah, I'm just really excited for the future of Blink and the chance for me to talk about them on this show. It's it's a long time coming. I will put it that way. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5-2 in the reviews on social media. Morning Bell by A Shadow Within. In Love and Plane Crashes by Bad Rabbits. SSX Trickmont by Belmont. Holding Patterns by Ben Quad. Would You Tell Picasso to Sell His Guitars by Ben Quad. I Ray by Betraying the Martyrs. The Veil by Betraying the Martyrs. Actually, I want to mention that real quick. Betraying the Martyrs, um, they broke up uh, when this... Uh, this double single of sorts released last week, and uh, I, I've never been somebody who like really, really championed Betraying the Martyrs. I, I think they're they were always immensely talented. I, I loved the craftsmanship and the musicianship of everybody involved in the project, and it's definitely sad to see them go. So, uh, thank you, Betraying the Martyrs. R.I.P. to some real ones. They're not dead. I don't know why I said R.I.P. You get my point, though. We don't get a lot of things to really care about by careful gaze. Ecstasy by Chaos Bay, Eloquence by Dethrone the Corrupted, All Towers Drawn in the Equatorial Room by Dreamwell featuring Wounded Touch, Silicone Dreams by Fox Cult, Altar of Madness by Human Deception featuring Defamed, What Love by I Don't Know How But They Found Me, Mnemonic by Intervals, Chrome Hearted by Jaden, Faceplant by Lolo, Progeny by Loon, Rumble by Pale Dusk featuring Masato, Glitch by Sentinels, and The Impossible by Set the Sun. There were three songs that I gave a 3 out of 5 to. Um, Roots by Ariel. I enjoy the pacing of the song and the verses a lot, but the delivery of the chorus just like re- really, really brought it down. I, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's the uh, like the, the exact tone of Bro's voice, but it just really, really took the song a couple of steps back for myself. In reverse by seeing the canvas, I do enjoy the concept of the song and the idea of it. The ideas are well thought out, but the actual way that they proceeded with the vocals, it, it just, uh, again, like, these are elements of the song where if I don't fuck with the vocal performance, it's going to be really hard for me to, you know, immerse myself in what I'm hearing. And the other one was Cruelly Yours by The Nightmares. So this was like a, like a pretty straightforward punk song, and I enjoy it in a way for what it is, but it just doesn't really do anything like super exciting to me. I, I feel like I've definitely, you know, heard other bands venture this type of sound before in a better manner, and yeah, 
it, it's okay as a song. It just didn't really move me much, and that's kind of why I left the score what it was. And yeah, those are all the singles for last week, so I'm going to go ahead and get into the records now. There were four of them, and the first one I want to mention was actually my favorite of this bunch last weekend. One of my favorite EPs all year so far, in all honesty. Family Drama by Rory. So going into the CP, I, I didn't fully know what to expect out of Family Drama, but after hearing it over and over and over and over and over again, I feel like any expectations I could have set for this release still would not have done the finished product any sliver of fucking justice. Rory delivered on this EP something that is not only able to pull you in or, or pull myself in at least in a musical sense like these tracks are catchy they've, they've got some fucking hooks some fucking rhythm man but they've also got emotion they have this undeniable factor that you cannot help but open yourself up to and make yourself as vulnerable as rory makes herself throughout these tracks the opening song an introduction, Love Over Blood, is one of the most cathartic and in some ways hard to digest bits of music I've been able to experience all year so far. And it, it doesn't, so like, structurally, it's exactly what it should be. It's an intro. It's not really its own standalone song per se, as much as it is this little acoustic melody with these voiceover clips dubbed into it and the essence of everything happening here, everything that is said, is pretty much just that, you know, we don't choose our family. We're born into these people that we're born into by blood, but love will always mean more than blood. A family is built on love, not blood. You don't owe anybody anything because of blood. You give your heart and your energy and your focus to the ones you love, and you don't need to love them just because of blood. And the negative effect that family can have on somebody's mental state is reiterated through the rest of the EP. Like on Running DNA, one of the lines says, I got it from my father, so don't ask me to stay, which is so like dark and also relatable for a lot of people out there. And also at the same time, the way that it's delivered in this track, it makes it one of the most memorable moments on the EP. And this is an EP that, in my opinion, is just flooded with nothing but memorable moments and absolute embarrassment of riches. And that song, Running DNA, does a great job at kind of building this pop rock base for the record. And then when you get into Family Tree, that's when the energy is ramped up a bit and the EP start to take a turn for the heavier in a little bit of ways, but it's still not really heavy. It's just heavier in comparison to where the EP was at beforehand, musically. Songs like Anti-Repressant, Black Hearse, and Alternative really do kind of keep that pace up. And I, I want to single out Black Hearse quickly because Black Hearse was 
my overall favorite song from last week. It's my favorite song out of anything I'm talking about on this episode. And at large, one of my favorite songs of the year so far. I think it finds this perfect balance between the like somberness and the beauty and the energy of family drama. And Black Hearse, I believe the chorus on this track is where Rory like stands atop of everything else and everybody else. And that was one of those instances where I could just like put myself in the position of Rory in this instance in a very malevolent and dark way. And that is what allowed Black Hearse to really seep its way into my heart and my brain and my overall core. Uh, the hook of the song says, only getting married if I'm leaving in a black hearse. That is like one of the most daunting and depressing lines I have heard in a song in recent memory. And it's also one of my favorite. I feel black hearse. I feel family drama. I feel Rory throughout all of this. The EP closes on Alternative and The Apology I'll Never Receive, which are two of the singles that came out prior and two of the singles that really did help enhance my excitement for this EP. I said Alternative in the same vein as Black Hearse and Anti-Repressant. I think Alternative does a really good job at kind of being one of those um, like more anthemic songs on the EP. But it's still this emotional roller coaster that tugs at your heartstrings and makes it to where you cannot forget the kinds of emotions that Rory made you feel on this song and this EP. And then the apology I'll never receive is this acoustic stamp on the EP. And it is maybe the saddest song on this whole package. And to me, that says something considering the level of just like pure brutal and tormenting emotion that this EP pulls out of you as a listener. And it's definitely going to be hard for some people to get through this EP, but if you can sit through this pain and endure everything that Rory is opening up herself with, then I think you're going to leave family drama very fulfilled, very excited for the future of Rory, very excited over the fact that you got to experience something this grandiose and cathartic and therapeutic, potentially in some ways. Family Drama is an absolute fucking home run of an EP. I love it so much. I cannot, uh, you know, get myself away from it. Rory is a goddamn star and Family Drama is an EP that I urge everybody out there to please, please, please check out, because if you do not check this out, you will be doing yourself a disservice, and you will be uh, omitting one of the best EPs of the year from your catalog. Let's talk about the new Citizen album, Calling the Dogs. I'm 100% certain that any of you guys listening right now who are dedicated fans of Citizen, you will find a better review out there than this one. And I'm conceding that because I can acknowledge that Citizen, for as important of a band as they are to the culture of emo music, I myself have never really, really assimilated myself into the fan base. 
I think Youth is an incredible album and it warrants that, you know, cult classic status that it's been able to maintain for the last decade. But just about anything else by Citizen is very, very hit or miss for myself. And the misses, like, they really, really do miss for myself. Um, their prior album, Life in Your Glass World, I genuinely do not like. I thought it was very just mundane and boring and not anything that I associate the higher levels of their discography with. And then so coming into this record, Calling the Dogs, I I knew that I was going to review it and I knew that this was going to be the opportunity of sorts for myself to kind of you know, configure my brain potentially and really see what it is that people nowadays find to be appealing and enthralling with Citizen. And I would say that upon listening to Calling the Dogs a few times now, I at the very least do view this as more than a couple of steps above Life in a Glass World. I think this record is substantially better and I feel like I can sense the, uh, like that, almost like an indie rock sensibility that is very alluring to people. Like on a song such as Lay Low or Needs, I find myself, you know, tapping my foot along to the rhythm and I do kind of have this, um, this juvial sense when hearing these songs because they're definitely catchy. There's a lot of bounce to what's happening here and it's a fun time. It really, really is. And then there are some stretches of the record where, Maybe the material like kind of loses its footing and its balance in some ways. And what I mean by that is uh, I'll take a song like Can't Take It Slow, for example. I think a song like that one, it does have the right idea and the right method of pushing it forward. But just in comparison to a song like Lay Low, which I just mentioned, I feel like there is, at least for myself, a clear distinction in which song... I find this like comfort and solace in and then which song I feel like is just not all the way there when it comes to its execution and that's what I would say is what brings can't take it slow or if you're lonely or dogs what brings those songs down and not so much to the level of the material here that I think really does uphold the record and I think for the most part the album progresses pretty well for itself until you get to the final two songs which are options and takes one to no one options kind of it it favors this like weird approach to the structure at least weird in comparison to what is happening throughout the rest of the tracks here and i admire that citizen you know kind of took a chance with how this song sounds and how it's laid out but I really don't think it paid off. I really feel like I'm hearing this track and it sounds like the band didn't really know who they were on this song. Like they took the rest of Calling the Dogs and then kind of like filtered it through this weird abstract lens. And that's what you get with options. And then Takes One to No One. It's a pretty like standard and straightforward punk song, but I feel like it doesn't really hit that hard for me. And since it's the closer, that definitely kind of, you know, took away points per se when it came to how I reviewed this album in the end and how I graded it and all that shit. I just wish that for an album that does have some high points, I wish 
the ending was a lot more emphatic and impactful than I find it to really be. So I guess my main takeaway from calling the dogs after spending the last week with it is it's okay. In in my opinion, it's a fine album. I don't know how many times I will go back to it, but I do know that if I decide to go back to a recent Citizen album, it's going to be this one. It's not going to be Life in a Glass World, which I I feel like I've kind of been bullying on this review, but just, you know, that's how I looked at that album. I thought it was just really, really tedious. Whereas this one has tedious moments, but altogether, it's a pretty decently well thought out package. And I would hope that if you guys who are like super deep into Citizen, I hope you guys are the ones who you know, really took to this record because this album wasn't made for me. It was made for you guys. It was made for all of you who have been putting Citizen on your shoulders for years now and have been championing them and rooting them on and rooting for their success. This is who that album was for. And I hope you guys specifically got everything you wanted to out of calling the dogs because at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. It doesn't fucking matter what I say on here. It matters if you guys out there, the soldiers of Citizen, got what you wanted. And I hope you did. Battle Love dropped their new EP. It is Mono No Aware Part 2. So this EP is the follow-up to Mono Nowhere Part 1, which came out back in, it was either March or April, if I remember that much correctly. And I thought Part 1 was a really solid EP, not something that I would really put on a pedestal or even put over the Bad Love EP from 2021, which was called Follow the Leader, but still a really solid effort, still something that made me be very cognizant of the capabilities within Bad Love. And they're capabilities that I've always really been able to see are there. Just maybe they're not like super fleshed out all the time. I feel confident though in saying that Mono No Aware Part 2 is as many correct steps forward in the right direction as Bad Love could have taken on this EP. I feel like you do get the expansion of the sort of like hard rock alt metalcore style to Bad Love. And that's the kind of uh, the package they've always brought forth and the stratosphere they've always existed in. But something that is explored on Mononore Part 2 is kind of a, a little bit of a pop side to this band and their cadence. Specifically on the final two songs, Fade Away and Lovesick. Lovesick does this really cool thing where there's this sort of like subtle electronic rhythm thrown into the song. And it reminds me a lot of like when the Amity Affliction goes a a little bit softer and slower in their pacing. If that makes any sense to you guys, just imagine like, you know, one of those like slower songs by the Amity Affliction. I feel like that's kind of what Lovesick reminds me of. And I think Bad Love did it in a very unique way and a way that is branded all to themselves. And now that I'm saying these things, I am remembering that Fade Away and Lovesick 
were the only two songs where I gave the score for these tracks a four out of five, as opposed to a five out of five in the social media reviews. I would definitely retract that, and I would bump them up to five. The more time that I've been able to spend with Mono Nowhere Part 2, the more that any area that I might not have been so certain on initially, I'm sold on those aspects now. They've all grown on me, and I feel like this EP is as close to being like a perfect package for a band as possible. And then if you happen to be listening to this EP because you want that, you know, like rock side to Bad Love, you get it through the rest of the songs and you get it in a really grandiose manner, I believe. Disconnect, Deadweight, Saints, and Creature all feel like they could, you know, be these massive radio hits for the scene. And even if that might not be, you know, tailored to your style, I feel like you at least have to acknowledge how well Bad Love ventured that type of a sound, especially on Disconnect, which is the opener for the EP. I feel like Disconnect is one of those types of songs where I could show this to somebody and they could, from that one song, be of the assumption that Bad Love is, you know, like one of these larger than life bands upon us, like uh, like a Bad Omens or Motionless in White. Like that's kind of the vibe that I get from this track. And again, I think Bad Love was able to navigate these styles and sounds very, 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 very effectively. I, I dig the CP. I, I think it's fucking tremendous. I think Bad Love continue to elevate themselves, and I just really, really hope that the scene can catch up with them, because I don't believe this band is as spotlighted as the quality of the material warrants. And for the final record of the episode, we have the new outing by Mice and Men, it is Tether. Brothers, I could write a goddamn book about a mice and men. I could do a fucking marathon of this podcast about a mice and men. Ever since I was a freshman in high school, so early 2010, a mice and men has been a staple of my life and my listening habits. And I feel like they're a band who so many times in my tenure in the scene, I have gone through the cycle of we're so back, it's so over, 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 and so on and so forth. This right here, Tether, is the fourth album with Aaron Pauly fronting them. And I feel like there have been so many areas of the Aaron era of the band where I just kind of step back a little bit and listen and analyze and just one way or the other be like, this is amazing or this sucks. I don't think there is an in-between when it comes to what a Meisterman have been doing since Defy. And in that notion, in that breath, I want to say that I think Tether is a good album, but also one of the weakest 
in a vice man's discography like the overall discography not just aaron but the stuff with austin as well and i don't mean that in a disparaging manner but i mean it as in what a mice man achieved in 2021 off of echo and the eps that led up to echo this band had not resonated with me like that since probably something around restoring force full circle and i was elated just fucking ecstatic to be able to say that about of mice and men when i recorded the year-end episode of 2021 and i said echo was my ninth or my eighth favorite record of the year i was joyful about that i was so fucking happy to tell you guys back then that of mice and men made an impact on me again that they were able to be this you know like spearheading figure as a 26 year old at the time in the same way that they were there for me as a 16 year old and then now we get into tether and again it's a good album i don't want any of my you know slight negativity to cloud that i think tether is good I think it, there's a strong fucking start with the album with Interrogation, Warpaint, Shiver, Eternal Pessimist. I'm going to say real quick, Shiver was one of the songs where the pacing of it is a little bit strange. And I feel like I can understand if somebody kind of had that song be like the drop off point for the album where they were like, hey, maybe this isn't for me or this isn't really what I want from Mice and Men. But I was into it. I really, really was. I think Into the Sun is another just exclamation mark on what this band stands for now. And I feel like that second half is up and down. Enraptured is fine, but just kind of uh, like a lesser version of what I'd been hearing up to that point. I, I don't believe in Aaron's confidence in the chorus the same way I do a song like Into the Sun. Castaway was my favorite single of the record, and I would say it might still be my favorite overall song here. I think in contrast to what I mentioned about Enraptured's chorus kind of losing me, Castaway's chorus is tremendous. I think it is one of the shining moments of the recent years of Of Mice and Men. It's genuinely a great fucking song. Indigo. Indigo is... Okay, so... um. I said earlier that I've gone like up and down with the Mice and Men. The lowest point for myself was Earth and Sky from 2019. I don't like that album. I honestly think it's very lackluster and mediocre. And I feel like Indigo fits in with that record for the wrong reasons. It's just very, like, not well thought out. It, it sounds like the band took some of the uh like the dull areas in other songs in the album and just made this one giant amalgamation out of those moments and you got indigo and like i i don't believe in indigo and that's a problem to me because believability is something that i think aaron and the rest of my men have been able to carry with them and wield in a really big way usually I believe what Aaron is saying. I believe what the band is putting forth in their efforts in everything they do from instrumentation to production to the overall packaging of these songs. I don't believe in Indigo 
I don't feel like the band believes in it. And that's going to hinder it to the point where I look at this track list and I don't feel like listening to the album from start to finish because I'm going to have to hear Indigo. And I kind of don't want to. And that sucks to say about a band who has been as important to my life for the last 13 years, like of my cement. The good thing, though, is that the album does pick itself back up with the closer, which is Zephyros. Something that a Mice and Men will sometimes do is close the record on a like softer and more somber song in comparison to the rest of the track list that preceded it. Uh, for example, Restoring Force ended with um, Space Enough to Grow, which I think is a tremendous song. Um, Defy had If We Were Ghosts. Cold World had Transfigured, I believe is what it's called. And I think those songs are actually really, really sick. And I love how they act as like that final stamp on the seal of these records that are usually of quality. I think Zephyros does a great job at being that for Tether. I think it's the perfect way to close out the album and definitely the perfect way to, at least for myself, lift me back up after hearing something as shambolic as Indigo. But when I go back to hear Tether, I feel like there are cool moments, but maybe not enough, like, standout moments. Not enough moments in comparison to what I got to hear on Echo and Restoring Force and The Flood. It, I, I don't know what the lasting power of the record is going to be. I don't know how well it's going to stick. I do not know if in two months or three months, I'm going to be sitting around my apartment and be like, hey, you know what? Let me bump that tether. L let, let me run that fucking tether record. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's going to happen. That usually happens with the Mice and Men records. I don't know if it'll happen with this one. And I, I keep going back to this phrasing, but it sucks. The album doesn't suck. My, you know, kind of, um, my hesitancy to put it in the same bracket as my favorite of my cement albums that is what sucks and that's it that was every album and fucking single and ep from last week for me to review uh, i'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around everything that's been happening the last couple weeks and if at any point in this episode i sounded like you know detached or, or not the way that i normally review shit then i do apologize for that but i also just ask you guys listening for some space and some time for me to be able to you know repattern and restructure my brain back into podcasting mode because a lot has happened and a lot will continue to happen but at the very least i hope that you guys will still be there throughout everything because you've been there so far and I am eternally fucking grateful for that. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.